The following class was held at Redeemer Community Church. For more information about Redeemer, visit us online at RedeemerNC.org. Okay, you guys, this is where we have been. On the first time we were meeting here about the will of God, we were trying to explain that the will of God covers everything, and so that brings a lot of humility to us, and um, maybe, maybe even stops some of the questions that we have about the will of God when we understand that God's will is encompassing everything. And also we made mention that ultimately the will of God is funneling its way toward Christ. Everything, the entire universe is going toward Christ. The value of that is just to be able to, to say that um, you are going to know and understand the will of God better and better when you align your mind better with the direction that the universe is going. That's where the universe is going. It's all going to one single point, Jesus Christ. And so you understand God's will better when you're understanding that. Then John brought up, um, and I know that I know my voice is sounding, I know that sounds terrible. I feel like I'm 12, 13 years old or something like that, but just deal with it. Uh, John was reminding us that um, we have, God has been giving us his will to the humans through various means, um, a whole lot through the Bible, the written word. And so I think it seems it would be fair to God if we said, um, before I ask you to tell me who I should marry or if I should take this job change or something like that, am I doing the will of God as it is revealed? And then what I, what I have experienced and seen is those who concentrate on doing the already revealed will of God are developing a habit of understanding the mind of God really, really well. And so believe it or not, they ask what the will of God is less and less because they already understood it. But John was also reminding us that, that we have so much to help us in our decision-making, which is the church, both the historical church and the local church. So I want to really, really encourage people to um, avail yourself in big decisions with church members, especially the ones that you especially respect, the older ones. One of the... Um, so Jesse and Heather Nelson are not here, right? Okay, so uh, this is, I, I, I married them together at a church many years ago. And uh, one of the things that impressed me about Heather was that she came to me as her college pastor many years ago and told me all about Jesse and asked for wisdom about that. And so I asked her lots of questions and I talked to him via the phone. I, I think he was in uh, Bosnia or something like that. But anyway, and so, but that, I thought that was wise. I think that Heather demonstrates, even in her youth, a lot of wisdom. Okay, to, tonight, um, some, to, to examine and just to, to influence your thinking about some of the directions you ought not to go. And then some really practical advice at the end. So here's problems in pursuit of God's will. The big ideas are that wisdom encourages us to be cautious of determining God's will by means outside of his ordained provisions which is what John was speaking about last week. We just, just cautious. That's all I said, caution. Um, sound interpretation cautions us to distinguish between biblical descriptions of determining the will of God and the methods New Testament believers may use. This is the old thing that we're, we're supposed to be learning as the Bible describes things about the way saints of the past did something, but is it prescribing us to do that? Just because this happened in the book of Acts doesn't necessarily mean we're supposed to do that. 
It takes some wisdom and discernment. So description versus prescription. And then determining the will of God in specific situations is secondary to the primary mandate to do the revealed will of God. I think this is the first thing that everybody should start off with. It's this humble heart. And God has repeatedly said he will honor you if you will be humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And that includes something even the wise Socrates said, which is know thyself. Those two great words, know thyself. Do you really, really know yourself well? Well, can you try? Here's some of the warnings from Scripture, Proverbs 21, 2. Every, every one of these verses is going to be familiar to you. Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. So don't forget that you have this tendency, this built-in tendency to think everything that I'm thinking is probably right. And, and a wise person says, I better, I better back off of that. Proverbs 28, 26, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Take that to, to heart. And you all know Jeremiah 17, 9. I've quoted this a million times, I think, to myself and to others. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Only God. James 1, verses 22 and 26. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Just that reminder that you are very, very capable of deceiving yourself. And then finally, 1 John 1, 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in it. So the, the mature Christian and the honest Christian says, can I distinguish between me wanting to know the will of God and wanting the will of God to be this? I want to marry this girl, um, and I want to know what his will is, but really I want his will to be to marry that girl. And so a wise person just tries to distinguish that and it says, my heart is deceitful and I need to be careful and prayerful. So start there and you will solve a whole bunch of problems, I think. All right, how about this? Event-oriented determinations of God's will. We're, we've gotten, uh, we hear about these all the time and people can sound really, really convincing about how they discovered the word of God and, and or will of God. And it makes you think, What's, what am I missing? How come I'm not seeing this? Um, I need to be, I have better eyes to see how circumstances and signs are right in front of me. And that, that'll help me to know what the will of God is. And, and I think you should be wary of, of those sorts of people that are always talking that way. God told me this, I saw this, he gave me a sign and on and on. Just just be careful of those people, okay? So, for instance, seeing circumstances, there is, you guys, there's no infallible way to know that any non-miraculous circumstance is God's special revelation of his will. Is, could, does anybody know what the definition of the word circumstance is? I was thinking about it, and I didn't think about it for too long because I was tired, but I don't really don't know. I don't even know who writes dictionaries. I guess the guy's name is Webster, but how do you, how do you define the word circumstance? What is a circumstance? I'm actually on I'm not going to give you an answer because I don't know the answer. Surrounding the stadium. <laughs> Can't answer the question. It's surrounding the stadium. I still don't know what that means. I understand the words. <laughs> Thank you, Kay. That was absolutely no help at all. Um, well, it, it, it just seems to be, it seems to be 
normal events rather than um, miraculous events that are just simply happening. But it's, it's more rather than event A happened, and I'm seeing that as a circumstance. It's usually more like event A, then B, then C happened. Ah, that must be God telling me that I'm supposed to do this. The circumstances all came together. But there's no, that, that may be true, you guys, but there's no infallible way of knowing whether that's true or not. Now, if the circumstances are a flat-out miracle, well, then I think maybe you have your sign, but we need to probably talk about that too. Remember this, that in Acts 16, it says that Paul was intending to spread the gospel in Asia. Remember that? He, this, this absolutely changed all of world history. I'm going toward Asia, and then the Holy Spirit said, and, and the Bible does not say, it doesn't say that he asked what the Lord's will about that. He just said, I'm going that direction because I want to spread the gospel where it hasn't been heard. And the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not. Gave him a vision of a man from Macedonia. He went west, and that's changed everything because you're, you heard the gospel. You, because you're a westerner, heard the gospel because Paul went west. But, but these, he was intending to do something, and it doesn't say that he was asking God's will what it was, but God had to tell him not to do it. And then what was the final destination Paul was headed toward at the end of his life? Where? What country? Spain, right? And it doesn't say that he was asking God's will that he should go there. He just said to the Romans church, please support me. I just want to make sure that when you support me, here's the book of Romans. This is the gospel that I'm preaching. And then God wouldn't let him do it. So those circumstances changed. Mainly his head got cut off, and that will certainly change your circumstances. But it, he just was simply making decisions based on his love for Jesus Christ, not brought by um, asking God what his will was, but then God would change the circumstances, and certainly being in prison and beheaded will, will change the circumstances. Um, okay, what about doors? We always, people, people get too comfortable using that. A door opened up to me, so I walked through it. But did Paul walk through every door that opened up? What does that mean? That's another circumstance, but for some reason... Now the word circumstance is turned turn into the word opportunity, and so then we call it a door. I think that's fine, you guys. I'm telling you, God, God certainly in a sovereign plan opens doors, whatever that means, and closes doors, whatever that means, because God is sovereign. But I don't know that you can know infallibly whether that was a door that you were supposed to walk through. I just, I just don't know, I, and I want you to be careful about that. Um. Some decisions are simply rendered impossible by changing circumstances. Coincidences may be used by God to bring reassurance, but a wise heart still weighs this. And I think a lot of you do that, and, I, and I'm not blaming you. Like, that was too coincidental. I was wondering whether I should go here or there, and then an hour later, I got a phone call from the person over from here, and so I took that as a sign that maybe the Lord is telling me I should go there. I, I, I kid you not, I think God can do that. And I think, I just think you should be careful. That's all. Because people make phone calls. That's, that's just what they do. I mean, so think about like the college decision. I, what college should I go to? So who's, so Wilson, you're going to go to college soon. And who else is about well, but he's already, he's already made that decision, but you'll, you'll go to... So like, um, what, how, how do you do that? I've applied to three schools. Lord, 
tell me which one to go to. Whoever, whoever calls me first, that's the one of your choice right there. That, he could do that. He could do that, but I, don't, I think you should be careful about that. They should weigh things out. That's all I'm, I'm really saying here. Um, okay, then about seeking signs. I hope the Lord gives me a sign. Lord, please give me a sign. And I think that's a, a real heartfelt prayer that Christians have. I just want you to be careful about it. You know, people say, I took it as a sign that I should. But what's the definition of a sign from God? What is the definition of a sign? How can you tell that? Take to heart, you guys, Jesus' warning about sign-seeking in the face of direct revelation. And I know it's a little bit of a different context, but Jesus said a wicked and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. And the reason why that was wicked is because the revelation that they had was plainly in front of them. But he's warning you to be careful about that. Like, I, don't, I, I know you've given me your Bible, and I know you've given me the church with all of its wisdom, but that's not good enough for me, Lord. I need something more. And sometimes I actually do think we need something more. But I, want you, I think you ought to be careful about that. Um, um, we cannot say it. it's always inappropriate to ask for a sign, but the sign would have to be nearly miraculous in order to distinguish it from a normal, typical event. So in this fall, in October, November, if you're standing underneath a, a, a tree and you say, like, Lord, if you want me to do this, then I'm just going to stand right here until a leaf falls in my hand. Um, I mean, if it did it right away, that would, be, that would be freaky. But sooner or later, I think a leaf might fall into your hand. Uh, of course, of course, if the leaf that falls in your hand has the decision, Mary, Nancy, well, there you go. But then that, that kind of ended up being a miracle. So God gave you a miracle, and so then I don't even know what you were looking for. Okay, but just, just to be careful about seeking signs, that's what I'm saying. And, and one, of the, one of the highly abused stories in the Bible is Gideon. And I sure did forget to bring my Bible because I had so many things there. But what, what happens in Judges 6 is the prophet says that Israel's troubles, this is what the prophet says, Israel's troubles is because of disobedience. Like that, that was a no-brainer, right? Gideon ignores this in favor of self-centeredness and asks why. He actually asks why is this happening to us. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Um, then, then he's commissioned in verse 14, and he's reminded of God's presence, but asks for a sign. The angel of the Lord consumes Gideon's sacrifice. So there, I make this sacrifice, and then the angel of the Lord just burns it up right in front of him. But it's never good enough for Gideon. So he asks for another sign. That's the famous fleece sign, the woolen fleece sign, whether it's wet, whether it's dry, stuff like that. But, but again, there's an example. Is that, is that telling us that we ought to do that? It's actually a glaring example of a lack of faith. Although it's also a wonderful example of the grace and mercy of God. And let me just say this and just throw this in here too. If the Lord knows, and he would know, that you really want to know the will of God to do it, he'll, he'll accept all of your stupid, silly attempts to determine that with signs and circumstances He's not going to be mad at you. He's not going to be mad at you. But just, I want you to be careful about that. Convince him first, though, that you want to do the will of God, and that's what you're most intentional about. And then maybe the Lord will help you with certain things happening that give you this inner reassurance, which is a really, really sweet thing to have. 
So signs given by God in the Bible are, were his grace to confirm a promise, not to enable determination of his unknown will. And then just think about this, you guys. You know, I, this, would be, this would be great if we could do that. Everybody, every Christian had uh, some dice in their pocket, and every time you need to know the will of God, you just say, like, Lord, if I do, give me a seven, like that kind of a thing. And, or, and that's yes, or in a snake eyes is a no, or something like that. And we could just, we could be pulling those things out constantly. Should I have a Pepsi or a Coke? Um, but that, that business of casting the die, that, we have a record of that, that the apostles were doing that in Acts chapter 1, but um, to, to determine who's going to take Judas's place. But it's never talked about ever again, mainly because we're getting the Bible written, and it's a part of the canon. And so God must be maybe telling us, don't, we don't need to do that anymore. You have my word, things like that. And then, of course, there's feelings. Now, when I talk about feelings, then everybody's now, you're with me on this one, and you're thinking, yeah, you're right, Don, that's not, that's not reliable at all. Just think about the various personality types in the human race, even though if I don't even know what I mean by personality type. I mean, I know what I mean by it, and you know what I mean by it, but I don't know how to define it again. Just some people, um, uh, nervous, more nervous. Some people more confident. I don't know how they're that way. Uh, we have different dispositions. Even your physical health can affect whether or not you're knowing something or feel settled about something. Um, your emotional health, and, and, and a de deceitful heart, all of that makes for the unreliability of feelings as a revelation from God. But I would just say this, that the conscience of a spirit-led Christian should be considered. But this is, this is still somewhat subjective ground. Again, some people have really, really sensitive consciences, and some of them are too sensitive and others don't have, <laughs> don't have too much of a conscience either. But I think, I think at least you should say this, if it feels wrong, this is, this is a very, very subjective thing that I'm saying, but I know that you know that it's true because you've done this. If it feels wrong, it probably is wrong. And that's a grace of the Lord too. I mean, I, I certainly, certainly sinning is wrong, and you should feel that way, but sometimes it's just a, a decision or going to this, or should I take this job? that's going to get me $20,000 more in my salary, but I'm going to be, have to work a whole lot longer, or I'm going to have to travel and be away from my family? I don't know the answer to that question. Generally speaking, make as much money as you can. Oh, wait, unless you're one of those persons that can't handle money. Know yourself, though. But, but, you might, but if you get the feeling like, I really would love this, that's a lot more money, but... Um, and then you feel that, realize that, I, that just don't feel right. Yeah, no, don't do it. Don't do it. So, so just think about that. And then lastly, um, misusing the Bible. <clears throat> and again, just misunderstanding prescriptions versus descriptions. Um, this happens very frequently with the book of Acts where descriptions of the early church are seen as descriptive or normative for all churches at all times. So we're still redeemers even experiencing a little bit of this, like somebody just suddenly for the first time, for the first time sees the book of Acts. Look what's going on in the book of Acts. Redeemer's not doing everything in the book of Acts. It's God's will for me to go find another church. Uh, I think that Adam next week will help us. I think what he's going to talk about is how to, how to be looking at the scriptures a whole lot better. 
But think about that. Is it, is it the will of God for you to find a church where everyone gives away all that they have so that everyone in the church has all things in common? You remember that in the book of Acts? Giving away, is that the will of God for a redeemer? If redeemer's not that, where we all give away everything so that everybody has everything in common, should you then find another church? Is God's will for you to find another church? Because we're not doing exactly what the book of Acts is at the Jerusalem church. So just think about that. Um, the Bible says that if a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. Can I hear an amen from the men, the married men? Yeah, all right. So is it God's will for all men to be married? Okay, so how, does, how do we fear? Here's two single men right there. How, how, how are you guys going to determine that? Now, you, you guys are just, you're just going to get married. You're not even asking God's will for you. You might ask God's will who you should get married to, right? That's probably what you'll do. But you're not even asking God whether you should get married, are you? No guy ever does that. It's always, I'm, I make the decisions whether I'm going to get married. I'll ask you, God, about whether, what, who, which sort of person is. Well, it's just not as simple as that just because the, Paul said that. That's all. To the unmarried and the widows, <coughs> pardon me. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is a good for them to remain single as I am. That's Paul saying, <laughs> it's just, what, which one are we supposed to do? So, so we're, we're really we're wanting, wanting to seek wisdom about these scriptural points. And then, and this is a huge one, you guys, misinterpreting Hebrew wisdom literature, both poetry and the book of Proverbs. Wow, you can, that's two books of the Bible, Psalms and Proverbs, that you can really misuse if you're not understanding how Hebrew literature works and how the book of Proverbs works. We, we've talked about it. I love this one. This is one of my favorite verses about foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. So obviously the Bible tells us if you have any, if any of you have a foolish child, get a two by four and beat him. The Bible flat out says it. So it's God's will for you to do that, right? I heard one preach it. What are you going to do with that? Just ignore that? What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with those sorts of verses? The Bible is a book to be interpreted and understood. Um, I love this particular proverb. This is, this is back to back. Answer not a fool according to his foolishness, or you'll be like him. However, answer a fool according to his foolishness, or he'll be wise in his own eyes. So which do I do? Well, use wisdom to figure out when to do what. And that's what, how one of the ways we're going to have to approach the Scriptures when we're, we're, people are using it to... Um, inappropriate, I think. Okay, I'm going to give you some practical advice here, but let me slow down. Do you have any comments, questions, clarifications? Anybody? Comments, examples of circumstances, signs? Let's just be quiet while that car slowly goes away and embarrass them just a little bit. No, just kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. All right, here's some practical advice, I think. Listen, you guys. If you're wondering if Godly, mature people are spending a lot of time asking the Lord to show them his will. The answer is they're not spending a lot of time. Do you have the mind of Christ? What did Paul say? Yes or no? Do you have the mind of Christ? Yes or no? Yes. Chrissy McLean said yes. Christians who are walking with the Lord, walking in the Spirit, let's call that Attention to the Bible, attention to Christ's priorities. 
praying often throughout the day, listening to mature believers. They do a much, much better job of reading circumstances, doors, and signs correctly. They tend to make decisions quicker and with more confidence. Isn't that interesting? If you're walking with the Lord, there, I know that there are some decisions that are so hard you can spend a long time, a long time praying about it, but you'd be surprised that those who walk with the Lord can just simply say, this is, I know this is what the Lord wants me to do, and that's, I'm just going to do it. And you should wonder how that happens. But it, if you're approaching the will of God um, as a newcomer, you just have to understand you have got to do the homework, which is walking with the Lord, walking in the Spirit, and staying so close to them that you just simply hear them, and you, just make, you can often make decisions just like that because you know his will. Um, Christians who are lazy and lethargic, let's call that they're isolated, um, you know, they don't, don't come around very much. Obviously, that's not you guys. Passive and sparse Bible reading and prayer, not engaged in Christ's priorities. They tend, tend to look for external messages from God. They tend to read these messages wrong and often lack peace in their decision-making. All right, so what, how should you be thinking about that, then? How, how I want to leave my life? It can be very helpful to make so-called lists of pros and cons. I would advocate for this, you guys, to, um, to do it. It's okay to do that. You're going to pray and say, Lord, my heart is deceitful. I tend to want what I want and act like I think it's your will. I'm going to list of pros and cons about this decision. Now, you're not done yet. Try to be as honest and prayerful as you can. And then let trusted people look at that and say, that's not really a pro, actually. That's not really a con. Did you think about this? Did you think about that? And that can be a helpful thing, but don't look at the list and say, whatever I get more, whichever side is longer, therefore, that's the will of God. I don't think that's still fair, but I think that's a wise thing. Why is that wise? Because that's, that's walking in wisdom. It's trying to say, like, what are... Lord, and this is how I pray for, for you guys to understand the will of God for myself is to, uh, to see every angle. That's all I really want is, let me back up here. I want you to have wisdom in your decision-making. What does that mean? I want you to have wisdom. This is what I mean by it. Lord, help me to see every angle of this situation. Right now, I can only see three angles. Help me to see all parts of it, as best as you'll let me to see that. Help me to see what the pros and cons are. Help me to see my own heart. That's what I'm thinking about is praying for wisdom. I'm not asking God to tell you what to do. I'm saying help to see things better. That's how, what I mean by praying for wisdom. But I think it's okay to do that, to make a list of pros and cons. And so, of course, James will tell us it's always appropriate to ask for wisdom, even if, if the, the context in James was about, about trials, so the prayer for wisdom includes, uh, Lord, help me to see my true heart. Help me to see the advantages and disadvantages for this decision. Help me to be humble and accept the harder decision. I, don't, I know already I don't want to do this one, but help me to see that, humbly see that that might be the right one. It's a prayer to bring godly Christian into my life to, to aid me. And then let me, and I think this is good, let me experience peace and assurance in my decision. 
Sometimes I think well-meaning and spiritually-minded Christians claim that God told them something or that they took something as a sign or that they had peace about a decision when in fact they may be acting out of a transformed life coming from a renewed mind and are better able to discern the will of God. Let me see if I can understand to help you see what I'm saying. Some godly people are using the language that I would would prefer you to not use in front of other people because it doesn't help them. God gave me the sign. I feel like the Lord's leading me. I felt like this kind of thing. But in fact, you are a godly person who is walking with the Lord and you just have a transformed mind and that's how you make good decisions. That's how you determine the will of God. In other words, you're not even giving yourself credit for being a mature Christian. So then I'm encouraging you to this. Now look at this Bible verse that you've memorized a long time ago, Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Transform by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't say that that causes God to start talking to you and telling you things, and giving you signs and circumstances and stuff like that. You just discern what the will of God is. So then Romans 12, 2 is telling you what you need to do now to determine the will of God. You need to really work hard at this for the rest of your life. Then you'll be one of those persons that stops saying things about the Lord told me, which is fine, just Ease up on that a little bit. The Lord told me I felt led. It makes everybody think like, well, I don't feel anything. And I don't know if you're really being led by anything anyway. So just stop saying that and just be led and don't say anything about how you feel about it or something like that. You know what? In fact, your your mind is so transformed that you just simply know the will of God. Now, if you're thinking, wait, you're still not being clear, Don. How do you know the will of God? Because he tells it to you? No. You have the mind of Christ. And listen to me. I'm going to say this. You, everything you do just is the will of God. That's, that's what you're aiming for. That's what you're aiming for. I'm walking so close to the Lord that everything I do, it just is the will of God. I know... I know what you may be thinking about that. It's, this is, I'm not talking about arrogance or anything like that. That, that. that should be the passion of our life, to have a transformed mind, okay? Let me just, just have you to think about something about how much your Savior loves you, because this is another part where decision-making is made easier when you understand the grace of God and his love for you, okay? You ready for this? Now, What do you know about the will of God for Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall? What do you know is the will of God? Somebody say. What was the will of God? What? Well, it doesn't say apple. It just says fruit. (laughs) I like that. Which one? Which which tree? Okay, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. (laughs) Okay, we just have the record of him saying, don't eat of that tree. All right, so what, what would you think about Adam and Eve saying to God, 
God, I heard you. I want to do your will. You said not to eat of that tree. Would you please tell me which tree I should eat from today? Should I, Lord, what do you think? Should I eat from that one? Or do you think I should eat from that one? What would the Lord say? I don't care. I don't care, Kay says. You have the freedom to eat any of the trees you want. You see how, how understanding the clarity of the will of God and then understanding how much he loves you and it delights in you, he just says, eat whatever the heck you want to eat. Don't ask me about stuff like that. So, so a lot of your decision-making may be improved by just saying, um, I, I'll just say it crudely and bluntly, what do you want? Then do it. Now, immediately you're going to come back and say, you can't do that, Don, because then you'll do the wrong thing. Well, have you been paying attention to what I've been saying today? Because if you're following my instructions, then you won't do that. But, but you can, God, God's not mad at you for, for, for choosing good things for yourself. He's just not. But be wise and careful and so on and so forth. Yes. Right. So you gotta be a little more clear. Well, I thought I was. I thought you were tracking with me that, of course, I don't mean that. Okay, so you don't get to sin. That's not the will of God. I'm, I'm encouraging you to say, I'm walking with the Lord and knowing his will, which would preclude any notion of sinning. And so I, I'm learning that way. It's just the same thing about... Um, you know, developing, a, uh, as Dallas Willard said, developing a conversational relationship with God where, uh, I've said this before, and it's, I know, it's, I know I, you guys think I have so, all these hobby horses, but that's only because I have a lot of hobby horses. I get, I just, we're always stopping and praying. Let's, wait, wait, just let's stop and pray. Uh, how many times did you pray today? Don't, stop counting the number of times you pray. Just walk through life praying. And that's not what Paul means by pray without ceasing. That, that's not quite what he's saying. The point is, is that you're just sort of having a conversation with God all the time. And then you, you just make fewer and fewer mistakes. You just sort of like talking to him. And then you get so used to it. Not, I don't know if any of us are there yet. And even the image that I was portraying a few minutes ago, I don't know if we're there, but I'm saying we need to be there. I'm completely aware of that. That's true. Okay, well, we, we quickly got off. We quickly got off the railroad tracks right there. Boom. No, you were actually, you were, this is a whole series on the will of God. I know, I know, Andrew, but that's why I said the moral will of God and the will of God as it is ordained are, have to be distinguished. Your sinning is ordained by God, but it's not the moral will of God. I thought we settled that three, two weeks ago. Okay, do you think... 
that I think it's okay to sin? Do you think I said that? Because if you do, you're the only one here that thinks that. Oh, now I'm confused. So that, have you stopped beating your wife? Yes or no? That's not, that's not what I was thinking. What I was thinking you said is everything is the will of God. God ordains everything that happens. Yeah. So I have no will. It is all God's will. And I am doing everything he set in motion. Did you, did you hear me say that you have no will? Okay, what, what, what do you, what's the point you're driving to with that theology? What, what's the point you're making? Don't do anything? It's not, I'm sorry, Don. I'm not, I'm not I know, but, what, but what's the point you're driving to? That's, that's my point. That, what you said two weeks ago is literally there is no point because you're going to... Well, I did not say there is no point. Right? And so, and so I'm asking, what are you saying that's driving toward there is no point? That you think that's what I'm saying? I can't make that choice. You can't make what choice? To sin or not sin. Yes, you can, and you know you can because the Bible says to, not sin. You're saying God willed it. God ordained it. If, I, if, I'm, if he ordained it, then if his The what? Oh, the uh, unconditional election? No. No. Oh, what is it? I, Lim- um, irresistible grace. I can't say yes and I can't say no. It is God's will. And then everything else flows from that. Okay, just make sure you know I never said that you cannot say no or you cannot say yes. Just remember that, that I never That's said that. That's awesome. I thank you for saying yeah. that. Because that's not what I got out of your teaching. Okay. Maybe, maybe. Um, I'm not trying to to throw you under the bus. Right, but what what do you think about the word mystery in the Bible? How are you you seeing that word? That which is inscrutable. You remember that in the notes? I I do. I understand the idea of mystery. There's almost so many things of God are a mystery, right? I understand that. Well, there you go. Here's another one about a free, a free choice. It comes from Exodus. You remember when they're um, trying to gather up all kinds of materials for the tabernacle. And one of the things that God says is, I mean, just talk, talks about the free will offering. So what would God say to the Israelite who asked him if he or she should bring a free will offering to contribute to the building and ornamentation? Lord, show me your will. Should I bring a free will offering? What would you think God's answer would be? If you want to, if you don't want to, then don't do it. Uh, th- this is a special sort of thing where, where your heart gets to express what's in it, and there's no judgment about whether something's in your heart or not. I, the delight of the Lord that you would choose to bring something out of your own wealth 
for, the, for his place of service is just simply pleasing to him. But so, so, the, so God is, is often presenting us, I think, with decisions where, where is your heart? Um, you'd be surprised at the decisions you can make without determining the will of God, just based on the fact that um, he's given you these choices and doesn't have to tell you which choice to make. Even if he knows which choice you're going to make, that has no relevancy for my life, what he knows. It's just simply like he's pleased with that kind of thing. So, so think about that. The, the, but the main thing is, is, is to reorient our lives towards something where so many of the questions kind of become unimportant because they're already answered or because you're walking with the Lord so closely, your life is so transformed that you understand without even having to ask something like that. But in any case, asking for special revelation is fraught with difficulties, and that's some of the main <clears throat> takeaways that you would get. Is there any questions from that point on? Okay, this is what we should do. We should break up, and we can just, well, you can do it maybe where you're right you are, or just scatter a little bit in groups of four or five. And um, pray that, you could pray for everyone in your group if you wanted to, say like go clockwise and ask the Lord to help them to have a transformed mind. And to hear somebody praying that for you, that your mind would be transformed by the word of God will change our church and for the whole church. To, to, to exercise that. So sort of a response in prayer to Romans 12, 2. So just break up, just 30-second prayers, no, so not too long. And then, um, who was, Lacey's there is, and that's then we're take, taking part of the cookies. And water, there's water? Okay, all right, that's what we'll do. All right, so just break up or break apart, whatever would be way to say that. Thank you for listening to this class from Redeemer Community Church in Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this class to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more classes, we invite you to visit us online at RedeemerNC.org.